I keep my energy up without wine? <laughs> I don't want to feel like I need wine, but I need wine. There's that. I drink way less now because of David. So I kind of, I kind of like. That. I've been googling all the sort of life-threatening things that can happen, and like they're all related to alcohol. Like it's so bad for you. Alcohol yeah. is awful, and it's so good too. <laughs> it's uh, I had a couple glasses of wine on Christmas, and I couldn't hang. I had to go to bed. <laughs> I was so exhausted. I'm like, because I don't drink anymore. Yeah. All right. Hey, Wonders, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warns You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer and Director of Coaching for Sales Gravy. And I am Susanna Gray-Jones, Recruitment Strategist and owner of Time Search. Don't do it. I didn't. I don't do it. I, I, I did not chime. I didn't chime in the last episode either. Just I know that was hard for you. I appreciate it. I, Although, I, ch- I chime inside of my head. I go, ching, chime. Yeah, it definitely has a ring to it, right? It's better than this of like my bell. <laughs> Remind me again what that bell is for. Um, it's for fun. I mean, sometimes like when I'm coaching or when I'm training, if like someone like got, you know, like they had a really good su- suggestion or they came up with the answer, I'm like, Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> I know. So it's the Gina Tramarco Clouder Game Show. <laughs> <laughs> we ring if you're right. You get two rings if you're wrong. Oh, I love it. I'm excited about this episode. This is part two of our two-part series on hiring and recruiting and looking for a job. I don't know what we're calling all that in a 2023. But in um, the first part of this series, we talked about quiet quitting and quite firing and you mentioned the great resignation, but these are all phrases that um, are not, the concepts are not new. They've just been retitled and repackaged Mm -hmm. and marketed on the quiet quitting and quiet firing front. And so just as kind of a recap, if you haven't listened to that episode and you're jumping into this one, please go back an episode and listen to that. But quiet quitting, this is when employees are underperforming on purpose to do the bare minimum, to do the bare minimum because they are not engaged. And so you got to ask yourself. Yeah. Can I ask you, have you ever been uh, a quiet um, quitter? Have I been a quiet quitter? Yeah. Uh, It's a really good question. I need to, I'm like going back through the, no, no. Good. No, because I'm, I'm a high performer. And even when, and I will tell you this, I have been a disengaged employee without being a quiet quitter just because of my own work ethic. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just instilled in me. And I talk about this in my upcoming book. I talk about this, like how it was instilled in me to, to be a worker. So there, there is that that is woven into me, but I could see how it would be really easy to fall into quiet quitting. So you'd have to be pretty disengaged, right? Because even when I've been leaving jobs, like resigned from roles and I'm working my notice, even then I will still work really hard. Um, just almost to just, because I, I'm just so miserable. I can't see how any quiet quitter could ever be happy. Being well, a quiet quitter. You know, I, I related some of this back to like a bad marriage, right? Think about, and I know you've, you have you you're in you've been in you're in your first marriage your first and only marriage right <laughs> <laughs> so but, but think He's about any first marriage but, 
Think about any um, relationship that you've been in that you stayed in hoping it would get better and it Mm -hmm. didn't. And Mm -hmm. you do become more disengaged or apathetic, Mm -hmm. right? Like something, because it's the only way you can cope. So sometimes people stay in toxic relationships because they don't have the skill set to get out. They don't know how to Mm -hmm. get out. They don't know how to break free. And so they stay in it. And scary, isn't it? Scary. It is scary. It is scary. But this is a reality. People stay in relationships that are bad for them. And I'm talking mm-hmm. about work relationships that are bad for them. They stay mm-hmm. because they, mm-hmm. they're afraid to get out. They've become dependent, you know, on the paycheck. Um, let's think like they, they might be paid really, really well. And, and they'll stay for the money. Right. They'll stay in that environment because they're not going to make that kind of money somewhere else, maybe. Yeah. And change scares people. Change really scares people. Right. Yeah. Sometimes they go, oh, it's better the devil I know. It's not really going to be better somewhere else. So they have no idea. Yeah. And then the quiet firing part, oftentimes the quiet firing comes from uh, legally, we can't fire this person. So we're, we're going to manipulate them out of here. And yep. and in, in often cases, it is intentional, right? I mean, mm-hmm. upper, upper, upper leadership might not know it, but a manager might be like, I hate this person. I don't want to work with them anymore. And so I'm just going to make their life miserable. Right? Mm-hmm. They might even be doing mm-hmm. it subconsciously and not doing, not knowing that they're doing it. But the quiet firing is also an issue of, you know, and I, we, I know we talked about this in the first episode, like how important recruiting is and then onboarding but sometimes this happens too which kind of scares people um, a new leader is put in charge and that new leader has a completely different vision of what they want in their division or their, their department or their way of doing things that was an issue I had I, I mentioned the organization where I took a lateral move and then they promoted someone um, over me it my attitude was, you know, the disengagement came from, you guys kind of lied to me. <laughs> yeah. You kind of lied to me. And and now you put this guy in charge and I had no respect for that person. And the, the, mm-hmm. the, the sad thing is that I knew him for years in the industry we were in. And then we ended up at the same company and it was hard for me to respect him. And then he got promoted to be my boss. And I was completely disengaged, but I still worked really hard to perform. And we talked about this on the last episode too, about setting the expectations. In that scenario that I was pushed out, you know, they were pushing me on some financial metrics and they're pushing me on, you know, we're really kind of losing money in this area and you're going to need to fire these people. And I'm like, whoa, 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 can you just give me some better, can you give me some directive of like, how much money are we talking about? How much money do you want me to save? How much mu- much more money do we need to generate revenue? I was in, t- in charge of an entire location. Um, I, was enti- I was in charge of the bottom line, right? So I needed yeah. to make sure revenue was happening and that expenses were controlled and that we stopped bleeding in certain areas. But every time I asked for a hardcore directive, he couldn't give them to me. That That was a sign. For me, I'm like, you still want me gone because you I'm I'm telling you, I'm going to do I'm going to perform for you. Tell me where, where we need to be. Yeah, but also 
it no one's going to take well to having to do someone else's dirty work if they don't understand why because then you're merely a robot right for that person yeah. like what yeah. is the point like yeah no uh yeah it, it is hard and there are some horrific stories that we hear out there by employees who do this kind of thing where they try and get rid of people and they think that they don't really know but they they know and it's just it's just nasty it's just nasty and it just it's sad really that we haven't got better in business yeah. at supporting our people making our people feel like they matter most and giving them that kind of if it's not working then we want you to come up with that first not us empowering our employees in that sense so it, it is sad it well is where sad. where where it's truly sad where i don't think we're getting better is in leadership i don't think leaders are being trained in a way right a lot of times leaders are promoted but they're not they're not given any training and there's such a human psychology to becoming a leader it's sort of mm-hmm. i often equate it to i you know i love my analogies like to parenting like if you're leading a team you have to have the skill set i mean some of it's innate but you someone needs to teach you how to lead the team yeah well there's that but there's also many leaders who don't think they need training and they get to them. I've seen it so many times. Like yeah, I've yeah. managed leaders who they're like, they're made for that role. I'm going to get this role. And then when they've got the role, we're like, right, this is the support we're putting in place for you. And they're like, oh, no, no, I don't need it. I don't need it. I know I'm doing. And then those are the leaders who inevitably alienate their team. In that well, it's so funny you say that because this leader in particular that I'm uh, referring back to, he like constantly bragged about all of his leadership training. He was like, I've been trained in this and this and this, and I've done this leadership training and that leadership training. And I'm like, okay, the fact that you're talking that much about it means that it's an issue. He sucked. But anyway, um, it led to bigger and better things as it does. So the purpose of today's episode is like you to share with listeners. Um, and this is also a way to talk about your new podcast. Yes. I, I, I want to give our listeners maybe some tools, whether they are um, an organization looking to hire. And I'm hearing this a lot, by the way. If I had a dime for every person I talk to in leadership that is like, do you know anybody? We cannot find any good salespeople. Do you know anybody? I was like, gosh, I should start my own little recruiting firm or send them to Susanna. Uh, So there are a lot of people out there who are like, do you know anybody? We need really good salespeople and we can't find them. Nobody wants to work. I'm hearing that. And then there are people that are really unhappy where they're at looking for work. And I don't, how do we Mm -hmm. get, how do we get these two sets of people together? So this is uh, this is the Susanna show today, believe it or not. What are some things that let's start with employers that employers can be doing to set the stage for talent this year? Well, I think one of the, the first things, you're completely right. If I could earn off every candidate who came to me and said, I'm desperate for a sales job and I placed every every vacancy that I had, I found someone for them, I would be so rich. I would mm-hmm. probably be able to pay for the rest of my career and just not work. But unfortunately, um, you know, it, it, it is it is a problem. And I think one of the, the main things that employers need to do is not panic recruit. I talk about it all the time, but so many employees out there are panic recruiting. You get comfortable. You think your employees are happy. You think no one's going to get ill. No one's going to get pregnant. 
stagnant. No one's going to just get a different opportunity and want to leave sales because it is going to happen. So I always say that companies should over-recruit. And if you can't over-recruit because you can't afford to, then you need to invest more in your training um, and you need to be getting more out of each employee. So the first thing is don't get to that point. Always have extra heads in case you have that moment of desperation hiring. Because once we get into desperation hiring, the first thing we do, we interview someone and we look at them. And the first question we ask ourselves without even thinking about it is, do I like them? Could they be my friend? Could I? And then we think with our heart, we forget to think with our business head and we take on this person and it doesn't work out for whatever reason because we didn't do a thorough enough process. So the first thing I would say to employers is have a recruitment strategy. Okay. So make sure that you've got that competency framework. You've got adverts out there. You're speaking to recruiters. Find out what your company's blind spot is because Gina, if Gina's a recruiter, and she speaks to my competitors, she knows what they're all saying about Chime Search, my company. She knows what they say I do well, what I could do better. I need to know where do I stand in the market compared to my competitors. So there's so much that you can do before even doing all of that. Are you on LinkedIn? Do you have a LinkedIn presence? Do people know what it's like to work there? What are people saying about you? Recruitment videos are great, but trust me, I'd probably say about 20% of companies actually have updated recruitment videos of here's our office, here's our staff, let's chat about it. It's not new. It's been around for 10 years, but you know, there are so many companies who don't show that personality. So I think, I think those are the things that you can do before. What is your ideal employee? What's your ideal B employee? What's your ideal A grade employee? Really important things. Those are awesome. Those are really good tips. I love this concept of over-recruiting versus panic recruiting. Mm. Mm. You should be over-recruiting. Yeah, because the problem is that so many people are panic recruiting and the impact that it's having on their existing employees is more treacherous than what, you know, what could be happening with the wrong employees. So not only do they have disgruntled employees, but then they have wrong employees as well. And then the whole organization fails to meet their targets. And it was one simple thing. They didn't invest in people before they needed to. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the attitude is we we, we can't invest if we don't. I, I had someone on um, my first podcast, The Pivotal Leader, years ago, who talked about he would hire people for jobs that didn't exist in his organization. And what he meant by that was if I saw someone with talent, I would. I would find a role or create a role for the talent because I knew that that talent could have an impact on the organization. That's a great idea. But for many companies, it's outside of the box thinking and not realistic and headcount is everything. And so, you know, are they going to bring somebody on into a position that doesn't actually exist? I think progressive companies do that. But how do we get employers to think just a little bit outside of the box and to over recruit. Because when I hear over recruit, I hear hire more people than you need. Am I, am Mm -hmm. I mistaken? That's one way of looking at it, but there's also the way of looking at it of training people up 
who are extremely okay. new to the industry. So say, for example, in sales. And um, if I know already that I've got some great role models who are extremely satisfied in their role, so I've got people like Gina Trimarco working for me, then, you know, I might be thinking, okay, well, look, I'm going to maybe get in an apprentice. I don't know if you guys call it the mm-hmm. same thing over here, but um, apprentice or trainee or someone to work alongside Gina, who's not going to cost me a lot of money, who we can mm-hmm. give that break to and then develop them in that way. Yeah. Because that okay. person is, there's really something to be said about training people up yourself and growing your own, yeah. so to speak, opposed to getting experienced people. They tend to be, by statistics, more invested in your company and more loyal than someone yeah. who is just jumping okay. for the next big payout. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, how I would refer to that, how I referred to that in the past was succession planning. So what what my mindset would be in hiring is, do I see that person being able to move into a higher role when I bring after I bring them on? Are they I'm not just hiring them for the current role. I'm hiring them for the next role. Yeah, exactly. So thinking ahead, I think also knowing realistically who's halfway out the door is part of it. And you can do that by doing anonymous feedback questionnaires to your current employees. And find out, split it up into sections about whether they feel they're being paid equally, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether they feel to, whether they feel the competition, um, they're getting a good work life balance. Ask some questions, make it anonymous and get an overall feel for how content people are in your company. Because I put a thing out, a poll out on LinkedIn the other day and said, how long do you, st- you see yourself staying in your job? And it was so crazy to see how many people said less than a year. Like, do their employees know that? Mm, probably not. Well, I I wanna I wanna challenge you on this. I wanna challenge you a little Please, bit on this go, because go ahead. I saw that survey on LinkedIn, and I think you're gonna get honesty there. But when you send out an anonymous survey to your employees, this is just my opinion. The least engaged are not filling out the survey because they don't give a shit. I could be wrong. But I, I think this is what surprises so many organizations. You know, when I work with different organizations where I'm the coach for several leaders or even in training, sometimes I can go back to leadership and be like, okay, here's what's going on with Joe and here's what's going on with Michelle. And they're like, you've got to be kidding. We didn't see that. Why didn't they tell us? So this goes back to the importance of before we get to the anonymous survey, hoping people are going to fill it out. Well, no, they have to fill it out, right? It's, you know, that everyone has to fill these out every three months. It's part of the job. When you onboard them, you tell them that there's that feedback questionnaire they need to fill out every three months. How do you, how do you, but you're calling it anonymous. How do you enforce that it happens? Well, you count your replies. And you have someone in HR who will just check which email addresses have filled out. So you actually have these um, questionnaire tools that can say who's responded, but it didn't show you what they said. True. Again, I'm going to I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I think there's some attitude with employees that they get that they know. Yeah, you don't know they're my responses. But it's not really anonymous because you still know whether or not I submitted one. So you could, like, I've had literally employees say this to me, that they don't trust anonymous surveys, that they think that in some way, shape or form, 
we can figure out. And I got to admit that sometimes I could figure out who filled it out without. And so I don't know if you're getting um, the best responses is what I'm saying. But if that's happening, aren't they people who are probably on their way out anyway, because they don't want to even put it right by coming clean about things that maybe they're not as happy about. Right. That's yeah, exactly. And so what I'm saying is telling in itself. Yeah. A lot of times I think those survey results are telling us are giving us false hope that that's my point. So you think that I might say, oh, yeah, I love this organization and just like and then you're and and then you quit tomorrow and then you're like, I never saw that coming. Yeah. Yeah. But there are people like that. And there are some people that you can just never anticipate that they are going to leave or not. And that is just one of the reasons, again, why we always need to make sure that we, if you can't invest in over recruiting, and like you said, you don't have the money to do that, then you've just got to accept that you can't target yourself to grow in the way that you want to yeah. each year. Yeah. Okay. Basically. Let's let's flip. Let's flip the table. So those were tips for for people trying to recruit, especially the the over recruiting versus the panic recruiting let's not get desperate that's kind of like being in sales and like you take on the worst client because you're so desperate for a deal and then it ends up costing you money because they uh use all your resources and so we don't want to do that if i flip if i flip the table and now i am the candidate out looking for a new position because i'm disengaged or maybe i was let go because of the economy i mentioned in the in the first part of this series that, you know, I saw this woman post on LinkedIn, like all the things she had been doing. And I like kind of, I felt really bad for her. Like she's doing all the right things and still not finding what she wants. So what are some tips for those who are out there trying to find a better position or trying to, they've lost their job and they're now appearing desperate. What are some tips for them? And that's so hard because I genuinely think if I ever stop being a recruiter, then I'll start up a free recruitment coaching business that's like charity that gives people an hour because the amount of people who are coming to me at the moment, they say, Susanna, can I have an hour of your time? Uh, they're people that I can't really work with because it's the wrong location or the wrong industry. And sometimes they just need someone to coach them through what to do next. And the first thing that I would say to these people would be mindset, right? It's the same as dating. If you think in dating that no one is going to want you and you go on all these dates, and it's likely that you're probably not going to find the right one. Um, So it is turning that mindset around. And part of that is if you haven't got a coach, to coach yourself. Because I would say nine out of 10 people that I speak to, what they think they want in their next job and what they actually want are really different things because Gina might say to me, I just want a role that's going to pay me a lot of money. I don't care about the work-life balance. So I can say, okay, Gina, I've got you this role that's going to pay you, I don't know, 3,000, 300,000 a year. And you'll say, "Uh uh-huh, okay, yeah, I'm listening. But you will have to work six days a week. And then you're like, no, actually, Susanna, it's not, that's not for me. I'd rather take less money. Like, okay, Gina, so maybe what you said before about money being the most important thing is not quite the case. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah. So give yourself scenarios. And I always think, think about money, think about work-life balance. 
what are the non-negotiables and be clear about what, what it is that you want. So there's three things that I would say that you need to do to make sure that you are putting yourself out there and covering all bases. So one is active jobs. Okay. So the ones that you see on LinkedIn, the ones that you see on Google, job ads, the job boards, the active jobs, you want to be all over them, making sure that it is a role that you are looking for and that you can add to and tailor yourself to each job. So don't send out the same CV and hope for the best. Tailor your CV for this particular role. And when you're writing that letter, the amount of cover letters I see that are so long, no one reads long cover letters. So you want to think about in the same way as sales, you say, you know, what, what, what can I bring to your company? What, not what I want to roll because I'm looking for a job at the moment and I think I could be really great, blah, 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 blah. Just stop all that and just say, if you were looking for someone who can really make a difference to your organization in X, Y, Z way, this is what I can bring and this is how I can bring it to you. So paint a picture, paint a story. Um, if you've got a quote, if someone once told you that you're the most valuable employee they ever had, pop it in. Pop it into the to the cover letter and say, you know, previous employees have said blah, 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 and sell yourself, sell yourself and don't be afraid because I would say, I don't ever see cover letters that quote what previous employees have no, said. No, I like that. That is a great one. And then I think so you've got your active employees, but your passive employees, like, I would love to work for this company because of their values, but they're not recruiting at the moment. Don't assume they're not recruiting at the moment because they might find a, find a job for you if you tell them about you and what you can do. And then there's your recruiters. There's the people who are scouring roles every day. Often they fill jobs before they even put job adverts out. So you want to make sure that you are at the, at the back of their mind. Don't work with any recruiter because some recruiters won't even, they'll make it so transactional. They will just say, send me your CV and they'll get you out. Find the recruiter who spends at least 40 minutes to an hour discovering you and what's important to you and actually caring about what's mm. important to you, um, which is really important. But using your network. So if I know Gina might know someone who works with engineering and I really want to work in engineering, then I'll say, Gina, can you put my name out there to a few people? It, it works wonders. So the first part is you have to tick, tick those boxes. But then when you've done that, you've got to stand out. I'm going to tell you a story. When I was a kid, I wanted my first job and there was this restaurant cafe in Cardiff that I just thought was so cool. I kept going in there and saying, hey, I'm looking for a job. Here's my CV. And they just didn't get back to me. And then I, I think the pre next Saturday, I was like, hey, did you get my, my job? I, I, I called up and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks. Bye. But they were still recruiting. So I was like, what is it about me that they don't want? So I called up again and I remember hearing the lady say, oh, it's that girl Susanna again. Hey, we should give her a chance. She's really keen. And then they got me in front of an interview because I, I was persistent. And honestly, this, if you were going to talk about seeds, I'm going to talk about three Ps, being persistent, being present, being available, but also being prescriptive about how you can help them. Um, it is really important because so many people, they think they've got in touch with someone once and that they've got their CV, but actually you have to follow up. You have to be persistent. Same as sales. At the moment, there are lots of job seekers out there. I've often got CVs and completely forgot to respond to them and shame on me for that, but it does happen. Um, 
and you don't want that to happen to you. So make sure that you are you are getting a yes, no, or maybe because if you don't get anything, then it doesn't mean anything. I so, love yeah. I love the three P's. Now we have the four C's and the three P's. <laughs> are you going to add another P? Are you going to add another P? <laughs> oh, I should. I should. Pushy. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that would be persistent. So, yeah. you know, looking at these these three different areas, right? Your active jobs, your passive employers, and your recruiters. If you had to pick one path, okay, there's the fourth P, pick a path. <laughs> if you were to pick a path, where do you think the highest success rate's going to be for someone out there looking? I'm going to guess, guess. I know you know, but guess. I say passive employers. Um. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say pass. I was going to say recruiters. Um, I'm going to say that right because I, I mean am a, you should a recruiter. say recruiters. You're because you're a recruiter. Um, I, I think you should say that. Yeah, but I think also the recruiters will know which passive companies are most likely right. to be looking. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's something to be said about what you said to passive employees because there's also something in contacting them directly which shows that you haven't just been told by a recruiter they're a good company, that you've actually researched them and that you've... You, you, want, you want them. You're interested. You've been in, intentional. Yeah, you're being intentional versus the... I remember um, for a bit, I was the director of, of training and recruiting for a hotel. And I would get inundated with CVs and I would want to poke my eyes out because there, you know I would get hundreds and hundreds by the time I got to the 20th in my inbox, I never opened another one because it was just too overwhelming. So I'm like, all right, something's got to be in this first 20. And I hate to say it, but it's just there's not enough manpower to and another software programs that can screen all that. But I feel like it's such a tough one going after the active jobs. And this is not something new. It's kind of like the 101 of things of when you go after those that don't appear to be hiring, like to your point, you don't know because they actually might be working with a recruiter and it hasn't been posted. And so yeah. you don't know. And I think the dual approach of of identifying, I think this is important too for a recruiter to deal with this kind of candidate. If I show up at your doorstep and go, okay, Susanna, this is the kind of company I want to work for. This is the kind of job I want to do. These are the types of companies I would love to work for. I would think that that might fire you up to go create the position or find the position. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And yeah, be that's where we come back to the the, the being prescriptive. Um, and I think there's other things you can do, like videos. Okay, like that will stand out, especially with those active jobs where mm -hmm. you can see on LinkedIn yeah. now. Yeah. You can see it's got like. 800 applicants you are what in the top yeah. one third you're thinking oh my gosh like am yeah. I actually going to stand a chance well connect with that person on LinkedIn send them a video and it can be really short and it can be hi my name is Susanna Gray Jones I just thought I'd say I've just sent my application in for your role these are the reasons I think I could be great for your company I understand you're probably getting loads of applications but I would love to be considered for your role and then thank you very much it sets such a sweet yeah. unique impression to that employer. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Whether you're going after active or passive or or going after recruiters, having something that's going to stand out with something like a video 
is definitely going to get attention and people are going to get a sense of your personality. A hundred percent. I think one thing that people fall down on um, when they do at least get to that interview stage um, of, of a new role is when talking about previous employees, we talk about this a lot, but when talking about previous employees, that they will start with the negative things that they didn't mm. like and they will dwell on the negative things. And a, like a really common one might be, oh, I was deserving this promotion and I didn't get this promotion and I went forward with this promotion and I didn't get it. Well, what's that employer then thinking? They're probably thinking, well, why weren't you good enough to get it? <laughs> you know, there's a negativity bias. So if you are going to say anything like that, then you can say something along the lines of, you know, these were my goals. We had clear aligned goals, but the goals change at the company. And because of that, you know, I think that they are likely to counter offer me if I leave or, you know, it's likely to be some kind of offer in the future. But for me, their word wasn't there. And that's really important to me in my next company. So you're bringing it back to your values and what you do want opposed to what you definitely didn't want. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Two two random stories come to mind. I had a, a client that I coached for many, many years. Um, I probably worked with him for five years. He was at a higher executive level. I helped him transition in, through his, in his career from company to company in the industry he wanted to be in. And there was one company in particular that was like the ultimate company for him to be at. And it was like, you know, he would go through series of like being laid off um you know, and then going into the next position and I would help him like create the path. And when it was finally time for him to kind of go his way, it was like when I joined Sales Gravy and we're still in touch. And he finally got that position that he coveted so much of like, this was the ultimate company he wanted to work at. And I said, how's it going? And he's like, it's not anything that I thought it would be. I don't like it. So it's a really interesting kind of thing. It was like the thing that he ultimately was working for for years to get to as the pinnacle of his career and found out it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. I think this is something to keep in mind too, that, you know, be realistic with, you know, are you going after a big name logo, which is what he was doing? Is that what you're going after? Because do a little deeper homework on is that culture aligned with you beyond the big flashy, pretty logo on your CV? Yeah. And look in Glassdoor as well. Find out yeah. what people are saying. We're so lucky now that we have access to what people are saying. Companies are so much more under scrutiny than their current employees. Like there's a really awesome sign. If a company, we have it in the UK. You might not have it here. Well, I don't think you do have it there. If you're like a company's won an award for the 100 best companies to work mm -hmm. for by a newspaper, often that's because they've had someone going into that organization and directly finding out what people are saying completely anonymously mm -hmm. and, you know, really kind of trying to find that out. And those companies, in my opinion, because I'm speaking and trying to headhunt from everyone all day long, you know, they, they, they are the companies that are doing well. Um, so look at that. Look at that. How mm -hmm. much have they grown? get figures from them and ask to speak to everyone, not just the managers, but people who work there and say, yeah. can you speak to three people who work there or have yeah. recently started? Look for signs and trust your gut <laughs> because sometimes if you feel like somewhere, has some, if you don't quite 
see something in somebody. Like I went, I once worked somewhere where I thought the woman was a bit, a bit aggressive, really kind and nice, was to give me the hard sell. But there's something about it that's very aggressive and not really me. I thought, no, 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 they're paying me loads of money. I'll go and work there. But I was right. And it was, a, she was not a nice person. So, you know, work for a kind company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kindness is everything. Um, and in sales, there's not much of it around anymore. But when it is there, stick with it because those are the people that create the best environments. Yeah, that's awesome advice. Also, oh. pr- protect your turf. Protect your turf when you're when you're searching. And um, this story goes way, 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 way back to when I was in college. But it's top of mind because I am in the middle of writing a book. And there are different lessons that are, are sales related. And one of my first lessons, and it took me a while to learn it because I repeated the mistake a couple times. I was trying to get an internship in radio. And I was in a radio copywriting class. And um, I really wanted to to work in radio and television. And so <laughs> this is back in the day without cell phones. I got out of that class um, one day. I don't know what inspired me. Something in that class inspired me that particular day. And I went to a payphone where they had phone books in place. And I went through the phone book under radio stations and I called every radio station in the phone book <laughs> with, you know, change in my pocket, putting quarters in a, in a phone and calling every radio station. This is like one of my first cold calling assignments, I think, that I assigned myself and like literally called every radio station like, hi, do you need an intern for the summer? Hi, do you need an intern for the summer? Hi, do you need an <laughs> Until somebody responded and said, yeah, as a matter of fact, we're looking for an intern. And it was like Amazing. a top radio station in Chicago and it had top ratings. and. I was like, oh my God. And I got an interview and I was so excited. And the next day in that class, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Hey, Randy, I got an interview at the radio, at this radio station. I'm like, I'm so excited. And then I went in for my interview only to find out that guess who else was interviewing? The guy from my class. The internship actually didn't exist. I created it when I called them and they're like, oh, it's not a bad idea. We could use an intern. And the next thing you know, I opened my big mouth and this guy called the radio station too and got himself an interview. Cheeky, cheeky, cheeky. Very cheeky. So protect your turf. I Sorry, did he get it? Did he get no, it? No, I got it. Good, good, I, good, good. I got it. But shame on him. Shame on him. That was your opportunity. He was really weird. He was a really weird yeah. dude. But um, that was someone who capitalized, on, tried to capitalize on my opportunity. So hold some things close to the vest, especially if the job doesn't exist and you've created it by showing your interest. So, yeah, yeah, that is true. That there is true. Go. That there is there. You have that it. is so. But also, discretion is key. Also, when you're looking for roles, because. There are some companies, especially in sales, who use job boards and they have access to CV databases. So if you're in a role, just be careful about making sure that it is private when you put your CV into other people's hands because you do not want to end up being silently fired or quiet firing. (laughs) (laughs) Quietly fired. 
true. Any other final tips before we wrap up this episode? I These two episodes were fun to me. So fun. So yeah, I mean, I'm learning as uh, I'm learning from from all of these episodes just by you know gathering ideas together. I think yeah, I think giving yourself scenarios, knowing in your mind your unique selling point, and that also mm. means your story. So yeah, when did you turn an organization into a better one? Yeah, what pathway did you take to get them from A to B, and then you serve the future employees? Uh, employers who may who may be interested but also why do they need you and what what is your basic you unique selling to their culture find out about their social culture because you don't get to choose your family but you do get to choose your workplace and lots of workplaces consider themselves like a family so yeah Yeah. you know take that choice make that choice wisely love it love it these were Thanks. Awesome. These were awesome. Um, we hope that you They're got something out of this episode. And if you did not hear the previous episode on quiet quitting and quiet firing, please go listen to it. It's the episode before this one. So it would be last week. And um, for more information about us, go check out womenyourmotherwarnshabout.com. And if you are trying to enhance your skills because you're trying to get back out there or you're trying to be a better sales leader, Go check out salesgravy.university. You're going to get the skills there you need with nearly 200 courses, um, many Mm -hmm. of them on demand and live with instructors and and coaches that can um, give you some feedback as well. So go check that out, salesgravy.university. Thanks again, listeners. I'm Gina Tremarco. I'm out of here. And um, say goodbye. And I'm Susanna Gray-Jones, also out of here. Nice. And I just wanted to round up by saying thank you to Gina Tramarco Clara for not making fun of the English accent today in either <laughs> two episodes. I much appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> one, what you're welcome. One final note for those who want to uh, go check out your new podcast. What's it called? The Counter Offer. The Counter Offer. Go check no, that. No, I thought you were going to do it in the English accent, but you didn't. <laughs> the Counter Offer. <laughs> go check out the counter offer uh by the time this episode comes out it might be very close to being launched or already launched so go look for it and of course we will be as soon as it's launched you'll be able to find the link to Susanna's podcast in all of our show notes going forward and who knows maybe we'll even put it on our website to make it easier for you so maybe we'll put a little button there that sends them to the podcast what do you think of that Susanna? I love that thank you very much you're welcome well we're here to serve and provide value Um, okay we're gone I gotta go see you later Susanna see you later Gita ciao (laughs) ciao I don't want to feel like I need wine, but I need wine.